You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, seeing beyond your problem. Look in verse number 8 of 2 Kings chapter 6. The Bible says, Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place where the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. And so the context is the king of Syria is trying to ambush the king of Israel. And in Doing so, he takes counsel, he gets together with his subordinates, and he says, okay, we're going to ambush the king of Israel. Where would be a good place? And they say, well, let's go over to this particular place. We know the king of Israel is going to go by that way. Well, the man of God, Elisha, would come to the king of Israel and say, king, do not go that way. There's danger that way. You need to avoid that way today. And sure enough, the king wisely listened to the man of God and did not go that way. And the king of Syria is like, what happened? We, had, we were sure, we had good intel, whatever the case may be, that the king was going to be here. And this happened uh, several times to where finally the king of Syria was exasperated. And we read this in verse number 11. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Who's the leak? Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, dear Lord, for the word of God. Thank you for the change that you have made in my life and the change that you are making in my life. I praise you so much for that, dear Lord. And today I pray that you'll help us to apply the principles, God, that are found in this text, this timeless text, God, that has serious applications to us today that's very relevant. And I pray that you'll help us to learn to see beyond our problems, Lord. And we'll thank you for that, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, uh, the king of Israel here is a man that's obviously been set apart by God for a purpose. Uh, This man has an enemy. And folks, for the New Testament correlation to this, I want to let you know today that we also have an enemy. We have an enemy that is stalking us. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, 
because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We too have an enemy, folks. The Bible says our battle is not with flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places and so forth. It's Satan that's taking counsel with his demons and devils and his generals and soldiers that are the fallen angels to conspire against us. And just like it warns there in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he is stalking us. He's also trying to ambush us. He's trying to ambush us. In Ephesians 6.11, the Bible says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles there speaks of ambushment. Uh, and it goes along with what the king of Syria was trying to do to the king of Israel. He was trying to ambush him. He was trying to say he's going to come to this certain spot, and when he does, we're going to be ready for him. So therefore, of course, the man of God would say, you may want to avoid going this particular way because there's no doubt an ambush there. And then one of his greatest tactics, I suppose, is in uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11, his deceiving. The Bible says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of his devices. Uh, and so he's trying to deceive. Uh, and, and the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices, or at least we should not be. So the king of Syria, just like he got together to conspire against the king of Israel and God's people, I want you to know today that Satan and his fallen angels, the demons of hell, are conspiring against you and I. Amen. And they're trying to, listen, they're studying our weaknesses. They're studying our strengths. Amen. In just a moment, you're going to find out the place where Elisha was at was a place called Dothan. And it reminds me so much, it was a, it was a valley, it was surrounded by mountains on, on all sides. And it reminds me of the war in Afghanistan. And man, when you study and you start looking at some of the outposts, in, especially in northern Afghanistan, a very mountainous region, uh, you could look up Outpost Keating. Uh, it was a, uh, a, a, a kind of a famous outpost that was attacked by Al-Qaeda. But you talk about a vulnerable position. It just looks, it looks awful because these outposts are placed in the valleys. And all around them are these mountains that are exposing them, uh, you know, giving the enemy the high ground. And I'm telling you, uh, those enemies would conspire. And Al-Qaeda, uh, with Outpost Keating in particular, they'd do it with all of them, but they would, just about every day, there would be gunfire that would come in. About every day, there might be uh, a mortar round or something to that effect come in. But all that Al-Qaeda was really doing was they were studying... I'm sorry, the Taliban, I think in northern Afghanistan, the Taliban, what they were really doing is they were studying to see how do they react. They're watching their routines. They're watching their formations. They're trying to pattern. And so every day they're hitting them with these small things until finally one day they had studied them long enough. They had time on their side. And let me tell you something, uh, Satan is in no hurry. He's in no hurry. And it was the same way with the Taliban. They had time on their side and they watched and they studied until finally they lost an all-out assault on outpost Keating. And I'm telling you, it's just a few dozen uh, Marines that are in this particular outpost that are being attacked by hundreds of Al-Qaeda coming down from the mountains with, with heavy armament and training and so forth. Uh, but it's just an amazing story because they were actually able to fight off and keep the gate. Uh, they, they were, there was one, one way to get in there uh, 
they had already infiltrated that, but there was a Marine, he won the Medal of Honor, but he was, he was able to uh, go and kind of rally his troops and go straight toward that gate and that entrance to fight off Al-Qaeda, or to the Taliban, my apologies. Uh, but th the point that I'm trying to make is this, they studied those weaknesses. And that's what, the, that's what the king of Syria did. He was studying the weaknesses and he was trying to find a place that he could ambush the king of Israel. Now, God had placed somebody in the king's life that helped make a difference in his life. Yep. Amen? And aren't you glad for that? Can we not all testify today that God places somebody in our life that can help us uh, and that, that makes a difference in our life? It reminds me, this, this man, the, the guy that God put in the king's life was Elisha. But you know, some years before this, God had put a, a man in Elisha's life by the name of Elijah. Folks, we would not be here today if it wasn't for somebody. Amen. It may have been a man of God. It may have been a preacher. It may have been a faithful Sunday school teacher. It may have been a, a mother or just some lowly servant that worked behind the scenes. But there was somebody that cared. Somebody that made a difference in, in our life. Somebody that imparted some wisdom to us and helped us to stay on the right path. And here's the cool thing about that. God has placed people like that in our lives. One of the big things is we need to learn to listen to the wise. Elisha warned the king of Israel, but the king of Israel didn't have to listen, did he? But he was wise to listen. He was wise to say, I'm going to follow the man of God. And in the sense of the Old Testament, when a prophet spoke, it was God speaking through that prophet. So the lesson there would be this, I'm going to listen to what God's Word says. I'm going to do what God's Word says. I'm not going to say, oh, I think I'll be okay. Surely there won't be a danger over in this place. I look at God's Word if it says, you know what? Avoid this place. Don't go over here. Uh, be careful about these things. I'm going to uh, obey and mind the Word of God uh, for my own safety. But so, the great thing about it is, not only has God placed people in our lives like that, you want to know something? God has, is now wanting to place you and in many cases, He has placed you in someone else's life Amen. to be a blessing to them, Amen. to influence them. I want you to know today that there's no one in here that does not have influence on someone. Amen. And may God help us to use our influence for the glory of God. Amen. And now you may be sitting there today and thinking to yourself, uh, I have very little influence. I don't influence many people. You don't have to influence many people. You're influencing someone. Yes. Amen. If, if it's only one person, you have influence on someone. Use that influence for the glory of God. Use it to be a blessing to their life. Use it to make a difference to them. But now here's the thing that we've got to be prepared for. We see people. We find people. Folks, our, our mission as a church, and again as a church, is to make a difference. We want to make a difference in people's lives, which in turn will make a difference in our communities. Not just this one, but surrounding communities, which will, which will in turn make a difference wider and further. We, with, through missions, we can make a difference in the world. We want to make a difference. Uh, by God's grace, make a difference. And that's what Elisha was doing. But here's the thing we've got to understand. There's a lot of people that are under attack. So those are the people, you know. Uh, there, there's hurting people out there. There's broken people out there. Man, our heart's desire is to try to reach those people. Amen. There's people that think there's no hope. There's people that have been uh, 
understandably turned off from God and religion. And it's our job by the grace of God to somehow reach them, somehow make a difference in their life. But one of the things you will realize whenever you volunteer, whenever you raise your hand and and God says, I'm looking for somebody to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge. And you say, I want to be that person. When God says, I sought for a man among them. And when when Isaiah says, Lord, here am I. Send me. When you become a volunteer, we all ought to be volunteers. Uh, Lord, here am I. Wherever you need the blank filled in, God, I'll do it. Not because I have some great ability, not because I'm some great person, but because you're such a great God. And you will enable me to fill in this place to make a difference. But here's the thing. Notice what happens here. When the king of Syria realizes that it's Elisha that's spoiling his efforts, now the entire army of Syria, or at least a great portion of the army of Syria, a great host with chariots, is now all focused and turned on to Elisha. So, whenever we realize that the attack is turned on us, we don't need to be surprised by that, number one. The Bible uh, warns us about uh, having an attitude and, and, and as if some strange thing has happened to us. Folks, uh, when we in, encounter trials, we shouldn't imagine it as some strange thing. We ought to be expecting these challenges. Notice what the Bible says here in verse 13. And he said, Go and spy out where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. There's a significance there to Dothan just to at least mention in passing, Dothan was known as a place with two wells there. Uh, Two wells. W-E-L-L-S. Wells. uh, Two wells. And... Uh, it was a place known for that. I began to think about that. Uh, the wells of water. Water, oftentimes in the Word of God, still water uh, is a picture of the Word of God. Moving water is a picture of the Spirit of God. But I like where uh, I like where Elisha was at. I believe he was by the Word of God. Amen? He was by the water. But I, something else that's interesting about Dothan is that Dothan, the first time Dothan is ever mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis 37 when Joseph goes and finds his brothers in Dothan. Dothan's a place of two wells. What did the brothers do when Joseph came? They cast him down into a pit, possibly a well. They cast him down until they sold him, which is a picture of of Jesus being betrayed by his brothers, the Jews, and being killed and buried. And because when Joseph was brought up out of that pit, where did he go? He went to the Gentiles. And he took a Gentile bride. And he became the Savior of the world. And he became the Savior of his brethren as well. Just like Jesus will one day. But I believe you could say this. It reminds me of the old song, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Amen? I believe he was staying there. There's some uh, correlations that could be made there to Dothan. But as I mentioned, it was a pretty vulnerable place. It was a pretty vulnerable place. You want to know something about helping people? Helping people is a vulnerable thing to do. Serving the Lord can put you in a vulnerable situation. Uh, I've often I've heard it and I've said it this way. The posture of a person that's kind of making a difference kind of goes something like this. Arms spread out. Open. 
Opening my heart. Opening my arms. I'm willing to help you. I'm willing to uh, love you. I'm willing to uh, hug you. I'm willing to go the extra mile for you. This is what service looks like. This is what making a difference looks like. But one of the great dangers of opening up yourself like this is, folks, it exposes the heart. It exposes the heart. And I, I wish I could say that it's a matter of if, but I do not believe that it's a matter of if. I believe it's a matter of when you get your heart broken, when you are hurt, when you are betrayed, when you are taken advantage of. If you're not careful, some of you have been there, no doubt. I've been there. I've gone from this posture to where I get hit in the heart, then I go to this posture. Covering my chest. I close my arms. And I'll say, never again. Never again will I let myself get that close to someone. Never again will I be vulnerable again. Never, never again will I be willing to be open with somebody and be myself and be real. Because if I do, they're going to turn around and use it against me and they're going to stab me right in the heart with it. They're going to use it to betray me. And then the Christian can go like this. I know Christians, it's sad to say, I've known many preachers that have grown into old men, and this is now how they go around. They're no longer willing to open up. They're no longer willing to be vulnerable because they are bound and determined not to get hurt again. Anybody been there? But you know, I'm glad that by God's grace, the Lord began to help me and soften my heart again, and I was able to get back like this again. Amen? And this is the way I want to live my life, with open arms, open, uh, come what may. Uh, Elisha was in a vulnerable place. He was in a valley. But now notice as we pick back up where we left off at, what the Bible says here. Well, I'll start with verse 14. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? I mean, I just when I hear that, you got to forgive me, but I just I just imagine uh, because I hear things in Southern talk sometimes, I can just imagine this. What are we gonna do? I mean, I just imagine him. He's freaking out. He walks out. He's, he's just going out to get some water. He's just going out to get some chores. And he looks up and they're surrounded by the Syrian army. And we've talked about the Assyrians before. I mean, I'm talking about, man, they, they mastered in cruelty. They were, a, they were a scary, scary bunch. They mastered in cruelty. They mastered in the siege when you st- study them. And uh, so he was faced now with, listen, an overwhelming force now that is stacked against them. I want to say that word again, overwhelming. Anybody? Anybody identify with that word? Overwhelming. I mean, this is one man with his servant. One prophet with his servant. And an entire army, chariots and all, are come out against these men. And it reminds me of what the Bible says in Psalm 61 verse 2. The Bible says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You study Psalm 61. I preach a whole message out of Psalm 61. What to do when you're overwhelmed. 
How to overcome being overwhelmed. And it, it gives some good instructions there in Psalm 61. Overwhelming force that is risen against us. I like this. Psalm 56 verse 3, the Bible says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in Thee. The Bible says God's not given us the spirit of fear. He's not given us the spirit of cowardice. But folks, when your problem is standing right before you, when they're out there with chariots and swords and archers and armor, you're looking at things and what you see is you see a problem before you that is overwhelming, that is clearly more than you have the capability of dealing with. What was their reaction? Elisha didn't say, get your sword, man. We're going to go at it. Get your arrow. We're going to see. But but there's overwhelming. Psalm 27 verse 3 says this, Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. And it goes on to talk about God being with me and Him being on our side. And there's so many other verses I could uh, mention. I think I'll just mention one more on this topic of being overwhelmed. Deuteronomy 20 verses 3 and 4. And shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto the battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not. And do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is He that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. You want to know something cool? Elisha would have been familiar more than likely with every verse that I just read to you. He would have known these verses. He would have known the promise of God in this. So I believe that kind of helped him to keep the right attitude. And that is very key. Notice what it goes on to say there. Verse verse 16, How shall we do? The servant asked Elisha. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. See what? See beyond the problem. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. I love this because I just want you to try to picture with me what is happening in this scenario. Here they are. The young man comes out, sees this problem, staring him right in the face, an overwhelming force. It's early in the morning. Apparently, Elisha, I imagine, perhaps, he may have still been laying in bed. I don't know, but I kind of imagine that. He comes back into the the, the little house where they're at, and this is just what I imagine. I just see Elisha. You know, he's a Baptist preacher, so he's sleeping in. And (laughs) Here comes the servant in there. Alas, Master, how shall we do? There's an army out there. Elisha doesn't jump up out of bed. He doesn't run outside to see what's going on. I can almost imagine him just saying, Lord, will you open up his eyes? And you know what he says? 
How many of you, how many of you ever get aggravated with, it, with this positive preaching about the Lord? Amen? <laughs> I want to be realistic about problems and everything, but there's some of you that's like, man, it can't always be this way. Because think about this. Elijah looks at this servant and says, hey, don't worry about it. There's more for us than there are for them. Well, there's a couple problems here, Mr. Elisha. Number one, you hadn't even got your rear end up out of bed to go and see how many's out there. <laughs> have you even seen how many's... Ha, ha, have you seen? There's more than one. There's two of us. There's more than one of them. How do you even know? How can you say there's more for us than there are for them? You haven't even looked. But Elisha didn't need to look because he already saw. He's already seen. What is the truth? He's already seen beyond his problem. He didn't even evaluate the problem. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 7, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. He did not even get up. You know, I love this. He said, open up his eyes. What did Elisha see? Keep the right attitude. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, understand this before I read these verses, this is a man that had been beaten a number of times. I'm talking about beaten to the point of death. Perhaps beaten to death once. A man that had been shipwrecked a few times. A man that had spent time in prison. And here's what he has to say, the Apostle Paul. For which cause we faint not. So he said, there's overwhelming forces. There's a, a problem right in front of us. He says this, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. See, Paul is comparing things to what he sees here. Elisha is saying... You think that's a big army out there? Is that what you're telling me? You think it's a big army? You think those soldiers are impressive? You think those chariots are impressive? No, no, no. That's not, that's not that big of an army. Paul's saying the light affliction. Elisha's saying small army. Small army. Why? Because he's comparing. See, we compare to the wrong things. We compare to ourselves. We do like the children of Israel, and we say, man, they're giants and we're grasshoppers. Caleb and Elisha says, uh, what do we got to do with anything? They're giants. My God holds, can measure out the seas in the palm of His hand. They're not that big. Amen. See, we've got to learn to evaluate things properly. And so, that's why the Apostle Paul says, he says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us. Jacob, so many times in the story of Joseph, would say, all these things are against me. But Joseph says, no, all these things are working for you. You feel like life is against you. You feel like this army is against you. But let me tell you something. Really, it's for you because what it's going to do is it's going to provide God the opportunity to show up and to show off. It's going to provide God the opportunity to flex His muscles in your life. And so He says, "Worketh for us an exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And here's what he says. Paul, how can you say that? Elisha, how can you say this? He says this. While we look not at the things which are seen. You know how you're going to learn to see beyond your problem? Quit looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Quit looking at it. 
Look beyond it while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. 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 While we look. So it's about where we look. How can you look beyond your obstacle? How can you see beyond your problem? Just don't look at it. Look at something else. You say it's hard. You better believe it's hard. You better believe it's difficult. But I'm telling you, we are able, amen. There's a a Navy SEAL that uh, kind of turned to, uh, he don't really call himself a motivational speaker, but a Navy SEAL by the name of Jocko Willink. And uh, he... He has this speech, and he, back in his Navy SEAL days, he would have uh, subordinates that would come up to him and say, uh, hey, uh, chief or sergeant, whatever his position was, and say, hey, things aren't going so good. It don't look like this is going to work out. We're not going to be able to go the way we thought we were going to go. And Jocko would just always simply reply, good. Good. Subordinate came back again and said, Hey, we're running short on supplies. I don't know if we've got enough to uh, get here and there. And he would just bring one problem after the other other to Jocko. And he would just always say, good. Good. It's good. Finally, he came to him one more time with another problem. And he says, here's what we're up against, but I already know what you're going to say. He says, what do you think I'm going to say? He says, I think you're going to say good. He's like, that's exactly what I'm going to say. And he goes on to say this. The mission got canceled? Good. We can focus on another one. Didn't get the new high-speed gear we wanted? Good. We can keep it simple. Didn't get promoted? Good. More time to get better. Didn't get funded? Good. We own more of the company. Uh, Don't get the, the job you wanted? Good. Go out and gain more experience and build a better resume. Got injured? Good. Needed a break from training. Got tapped out? Good. It's better to tap out in training than to tap out on the street. Got beat? Good. We learned. Unexplained problems? Good. We have, we have to figure out solutions. That's it. When things are, not, when things are going bad, don't get all bummed out. Don't get all uh, frustrated. No, just look at the issue and say good. Because if nothing else, he says, if you can say good, you're still alive. If you can say good, you're still around. If you can say good, you've got another chance. You know what God said that relates to that, the the wisdom of that statement? He said all things work together for good. Not all things are good, but all things work together for good. So it's almost like, and it's frustrating, isn't it? You just want somebody to say, man, this is terrible. But But that young man runs in there, oh, it's terrible, Elisha, what's going to happen? And it's almost like Elisha just says, We're surrounded by a great army. Good. Really? Really? And listen, this does not give you permission if you are a positive person like me to go go around being obnoxious, okay? Be understanding that uh, not everybody... But but at the same time, we can be encouraging. Amen. Uh, And and so, Psalm 1... I love this. They're surrounded by all sides. But what happens? He says, open up His eyes. And my consistent prayer for myself, my consistent prayer in this church is, Lord, open up their eyes. Because I see people that are focused on their problem. I see people that can't seem to overcome their problem, but they can't see past their problem because they won't quit looking at their problem. 
Lord, open up their eyes. See something greater. See something better. I mean, you talk about... And look, I love what it says there. Verse 17, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray Thee, open his eyes. I just got to stop and say it's awesome to me that Elisha saw this before it ever happened. When we know the nature and the power of God, we can see things before they happen too. Now, it doesn't mean that we know what's going to happen, but it does mean this. We know, that we know the kind of God we serve. Amen. And so we know that ultimately, things are going to be right. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The answer to that question is yes, He will. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire and angelic host come past them about. He saw, you know what he saw? He saw something that was there the whole time. That was there the entire time, folks. And what we need to understand, while we look not at the things which are seen, you don't even see the protection around you. You don't even see the provision and the providence and the power that God has around us right now. But it's there. And if God would just help us to see it, folks, can you imagine if he would, if, can you imagine if just all the time this servant was able to see this invisible army? Maybe that was the thing with Elisha. I bet before Elisha went to bed that night, he looked out and he said, Good night, fellas. <laughs> see you in the morning. He knew they were there. Amen. And so this great and that's what that's how it needs to be our attitude. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, the Bible says this, Psalm 150, 125, verse 2. Again, Elisha knew these verses. And the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth forever and for even forever. The Bible says in Psalm 34, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth him. I want to say this, there's more for us. 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. By the eye of faith, taking God at His Word, Hebrews 11.27 says, Like Moses, we can see Him who is invisible. Seeing Him who is invisible. The thing we need to always understand is this. I love, you know, in, in Philippians, and I'm closing with this, but in Philippians, Paul, while in prison, is trying to encourage the people of God to rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. In every chapter, rejoicing. He's in prison. But then he says again, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He said always. Did you know that there's no higher expression of faith than thanksgiving? And there's probably no higher expression of unbelief than worry. Why can we rejoice always? Because here's what he says. Philippians 4 verse 5 says, the Lord is at hand. You know what he's saying is? See Him who is invisible. See Him, because that's not talking right there about the coming of the Lord. It's saying the Lord's with you. He's a very present help in the time of trouble, Psalm 46. The Lord's at hand. See, Elisha, see, the, the servant here, you can kind of be one or the other. The servant was kind of more of a thermostat. What does a thermostat do? It reads the temperature. What does a, no, I'm sorry, a ther- thermometer reads the temperature. What does a thermostat do? You can use it to adjust the temperature. And by God's grace... See, Elisha was a thermometer, a thermostat. I'm so smooth. Uh, 
Elisha was a thermostat. He was able to adjust the temperature. He didn't go up and down with the temperature. See, that maybe that maybe that servant woke up that morning, he was fired up and all was good, but then all of a sudden he he was able to read the temperature around him and boom, it went cold in a hurry. But Elisha just reaches over there and just cranks that back up. No, no, no. Let, we, we, in other words, we can control the temperature. God gives us the power to control our attitudes and our outlook on life. Uh, so, may the Lord help us to understand and to see He who is invisible. To see He who is... Can, can you see beyond your problem this morning? I can promise you one thing. If you don't quit looking at it, you're never going to see beyond it. Amen. I mentioned this in Sunday school, but the Bible talks about how that the battle... Listen, every bit of spiritual warfare really is in the mind. That's the real battleground of spiritual warfare in our mind, in our thoughts. But God has made it to where we can only think one thought at once. Think the right thoughts. Amen? See he, see he who is invisible. Claim the truth of God's Word for your life. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much. Thank You so much for helping me to get a glimpse every once in a while. Lord, sometimes if I'm not careful, I can be just like that servant and I can be a thermostat or a thermometer rather than a thermostat. Lord, sometimes I see the problem, but I fail to see that which is unseen. And I pray that You'd help me, Lord, as Your child, just to be faithful, God, to see He who is invisible. I thank You right now, Lord, that, you, that we have this great promise. All these great, exceeding, precious promises that we have. And there's no doubt in my mind that Elisha was claiming these same promises that we read today. And I pray, dear Lord, that You'd help us to claim those same promises. I sure don't mean to make it sound easy. There's nothing easy about an army against you. It's not that it's not a great army. It's not that it's not an incredibly great problem. It's just that compared to you, it's not that big after all. So help us to see that, dear Lord, I pray. Miss Sonia, if you'd come play. and Listen, I, I, if you're here today and, and you aren't saved, you don't know the Lord, I ask you today to come and Receive Him as your Savior. Jesus died on the cross for your sins that you might be saved. Rose again the third day. If you just turn and turn to Him. But I want to encourage you, child of God, get a view of that which is unseen. Somebody says, seeing is believing. No, believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. This isn't just a blind faith, folks. We've got a, God. We've got a dependable God. We've got a tried and true God. Amen. 